0: All right, folks, let's go ahead and turn our Bibles then tonight to the book of Matthew. Matthew, chapter number 17. Matthew 17, in your copy of God's Word... And tonight we're going to be looking at this historic moment that we call, it's really named kind of after a place, where we talk about the Mount of Transfiguration. That's kind of, a, that's kind of a big word, but we're going to talk about what that means. And ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that we need to learn to do is that when we see something that might not be a direct lesson that's spoken to us, we need to see if there's something in there that we can learn from. Let's think about this. Have you ever heard there's a statement, I wish I knew who quoted it, probably someone here could tell me, that, that those who fail to learn from history are destined to repeat it. That if we don't take a look at where we've been and the things that's happened behind us, there's a good chance that that could very well happen again because we didn't learn from our mistake the first time. You know, sometimes in the Bible... There's things written in here that are accounts of history. They're just things that happened. And I'll be honest, the first time that I read through this, I say, you know, I've heard this story before. Man, it's a good story. There's a good account. But what in the world can I really learn from it? And, you know, once we start to look at the details of things that happened in history, you can start to learn things maybe about God about the people that were in there. You can compare this historic account maybe to some truths in the New Testament and we're going to apply these things to our lives here today. So we are talking about right here in the book of Matthew and to bring us up to speed. You know, of course, on Sunday nights we're going through the steps of Jesus Christ and the things that He did. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross very soon. He's been on the earth for a while now. He's been having his ministry. He's been there with his disciples. And he's nearing towards this end time. And now he's getting ready to go up into a mountain. And up on this mountain, it's going to be proved that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He's going to prove that. And folks, it's a very important thing for us to understand and believe. And we're going to see that starting in verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17 verse 1. God's word tells us this. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him." And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And they came down from the mountain. Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must come first? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Our Father God, again, help us to understand something about this time here where you showed yourself as the glory of God. I pray that you would help us to draw some things out of it, help us to learn some important truths that I believe you are revealing to your disciples and that you would reveal to us also. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name again we pray these things. Amen. Well, here's what will get ready to happen. If you caught it, let's take a look at the story real quick and how these things unfolded. So here's what Jesus, and he is going with Peter, James, and John, these three guys. So you have four men, Jesus, Peter, James, John. They're walking up in this mountain, and they're going to go up to this mountain where they are all alone. There's no one up there but them four men. Now, as they're up there in that mountain, something happens that Jesus knew was going to happen, but these other three guys, they didn't know about. All of a sudden, Jesus was, and here's that word, transfigured. We don't really use that word very much because this isn't something that happens to us. But think about the two words, trans, to change, to be different. Jesus transformed his figure, what it looked like. So your figure is a look, trans to change. So his look, what was about him, it changed. So that would be as if me, all of a sudden, I were just standing here before you and then poof, all at once. I just looked different. I transfigured. This is what happened to Jesus. He was there as a man with flesh and with bone, with with hair and with a beard, and and he, he was there wearing his clothes. Now all of a sudden the disciples, when they look at Jesus, the Bible says that he was glowing. His skin, his head, it shone with a bright light. And the Bible says that his clothes, his raiment, his clothes actually started to glow. Like his clothes, they were, they were shining. And as they were looking at this thing, they were thinking, what in the world? I've never seen anybody all of a sudden just start glowing before. Okay? That, that doesn't happen. I know we sometimes say, oh, this, this mother, she just radiates. She's glowing because she's, she, she's, in this, uh, she's pregnant. She's going to be having a child. And boy, she just glows with happiness. Folks, this is an actual light that was coming off of Jesus. And while he was there, Jesus begins to speak to two other men that weren't there before. Two people showed up. The Bible says, look right here, verse number 3, And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, or Elisha, the prophet, talking with him. So two other men showed up, Moses and Elisha. That's a New Testament spelling for Elisha, Elias. Now watch this. These two men have been long dead. They have been dead and gone for a long time. If you remember, Moses was the guy way back in the beginning that wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Moses was the guy that was there when the Israelites came out of Egypt. This was before David was even born, let alone Jesus. Moses had been long dead. So had Elisha. And now they're sitting here talking with Jesus. And Peter and James and John are looking at these two men talking to Jesus. And then Peter, usually people like to give Peter a hard time for what he says. Because Peter, he looks at this and maybe he just jumps the gun because he's so excited. Peter says, oh man, Lord, Jesus, why don't we do this? We've got these guys here with you. And maybe Peter thought they were equals. I don't know what was going through his mind. But Peter said, hey, let's build us a tabernacle for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elisha. And then he's kind of saying, hey, we're going to be worshiping these two guys just like we worship Jesus. That was, that was a no-no, okay? We only worship God and God himself. So we would never worship these two men. We would never worship any man. We worship God. So Peter kind of stuck his foot in his mouth. But then here's something interesting that happened. Something else unusual a big cloud shows up. A big cloud. Now, when a cloud moves in, what happens? It gets dark. It kind of, it'll kind of block out the sun. You know, that we, were, we were all here, what was it, last year or something, where, where the eclipse was kind of coming through, and everyone out here in town was trying to watch it, and it just kind of looked like it got around evening time. But Boy, if you were down in Wyoming, I think it was, they say it got pitch black. Because, you know, the sun was blocked out. When a cloud moves in, it covers up the sun and everything gets dark and hazy. The Bible says a cloud moved in and the cloud itself shone. A cloud doesn't give off light. A cloud blocks the sun. This cloud gave off light. And in this cloud was the glory of God in heaven. And God said, this is my son. Talking about Jesus. i wasn't talking about the other two. He was talking about Jesus. And if you notice it, the Bible says that only Jesus was the one that was glowing. It doesn't say Elisha and Moses were glowing. It said Jesus was. And then when God shows up, these two men, what they do is they fall down on their face because they were sore afraid. The Bible says that they just fell to their feet. They were covering their face. And they heard Jesus say that or they heard God in heaven say that. And the next thing they knew, Jesus walked over he put his hand on Peter and says, you know, guys, it's, it's okay. They opened their eyes and everything was gone. Now, while this is a pretty neat thing that happened, again, this is a historical account. This really happened. We might be thinking, okay, is there, is there a lesson in here? Is there something we need to learn? Well, there is some facts about God, about us, and about our afterlife that we need to learn. And there's some very important things in here that that some people get confused with. Let's go ahead and jump in, and we're going to learn some things out of this Scripture. And you know what? The things that we're going to learn, Peter learned them too. So let's see what Peter was taught up here on the Mount of Transfiguration. Number one, Peter learned of the deity of Jesus Christ. Here's what that means. Folks, Jesus was God Himself. Jesus was God. There are going to be people today that will have the same Bible that you and I have, and they will try to tell you that Jesus was not God. They will try to tell you that Jesus was just a man. They may even go so far to say, yeah, Jesus came from heaven, there was something special, but He wasn't God Himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus, if He did not die on the cross, and if He did not save my sins, then He was not God. Only God could have paid for my sins. Only God could have paid my sin debt. And Jesus, He was God Himself. This is why when we look at this Scripture, compare the the three people we just looked at. There was Jesus, and then there was Moses and Elisha. How come Jesus shone with the glory of God, and the other two didn't? Because the other two were just men. Jesus was God. Jesus had the glory of God Himself. And, and when we start talking about the Trinity, boy, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When we talk about these three, how are they three separate, but they're still the same? I don't know. I look forward to getting to heaven and figuring it out. But I, I can honestly tell you that is not something I can explain. But there is proof after proof in God's Word that this is the same person. Folks, here it is. Jesus is showing what the glory of God. No one else has that glory except God. And God shows it here through Jesus. Jesus' glory, it shone through in Moses and Elisha. They did not. Now watch this. God Himself in this passage, He also declares that Jesus was the Son of God. God shows up and says it. Look, let's go ahead and take a look at it. Verse number 5. While He yet spake, this is Peter, behold a bright cloud. See, it was a cloud that was shining. A bright cloud. Overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Listen to what he's saying. There's another group of people today that would say Jesus, he was just an ordinary man, he didn't even come from heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, there are folks right now that would say that Jesus was just another man. He was just another good teacher. There was nothing really special about Him. Now, He was a very smart man. He was a rabbi. But that's as far as it goes. Folks, my Bible tells me that God showed up and said, Yeah, this is my boy right here. This is my son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And you better listen to what He has to say. Now there you see the separation. He has the glory of God because He is God, but at the same time, He's the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. So it is so vitally important to us that we never think that Jesus was just an ordinary man. Now yeah, if you were to cut Him, and they did, He would bleed because He was a man. They grabbed His beard and they plucked it out, which was a sign of them shaming Him, and that no doubt hurt. Really bad. He felt pain, just like a man. He got hungry, just like a man. He got tired and needed to sleep, just like a man. But folks, Jesus, while He was just a man, He was still 100% God, but in the flesh. That was Him. He was the Son of God. And in this moment, they were very afraid of God's glory. They were afraid of God's glory. Folks, look at what happened to these men. And this is something that's really interesting. Verse number five, while he yet spake, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Look at what the Bible says in verse number six. And when the disciples heard it, they jumped up and down, waving their hands. Now I'm being silly, of course. The Bible says, when they heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, time after time in the Bible, when man is confronted with the glory of God, they can only do one thing. They fall. That's it. They fall on their face. They fall on their knees. And folks, I want to tell you, when we get to heaven and when we stand before God, we'll not be standing there with their chest stuck out saying, look at what a good job I've done. We're going to be falling on our faces in His glory. That's all we can do. And we can never get this idea in our head that that we are, that that heaven is, is, and I don't mean to be running rabbit trails, but that heaven is going to be just some kind of a great grand party. And that in the presence of God, everything is just going to be fun. Folks, in the presence of God, there is holiness. In the presence of God, there is reverence. And these men, as sinful men that they were, they were afraid. Now, that's not fear in the sense of, you know, something spooky and, ah, it's going to scare me. It's fear in the sense of a reverence and a sense of respect. Have you ever seen a little kid that he knows there's some kind of trouble? There's something that he's done wrong and he runs and hides because he do not want to get in trouble, right? You know, you ever seen a child, maybe he was at home and he'd done something he shouldn't have. Let's just, this isn't one that I've seen, but think about it. Let's say this kid, he was in the kitchen and he was playing ball in the house because he wasn't supposed to. And boy, he threw a ball in the kitchen and it knocked some kind of plate off of a shelf. The plate fell down and it crashed. And then as soon as that happened, he heard the door rattle because dad was coming home from work. And what's that little boy going to do? He's going to run and hide. Because he doesn't want to get in trouble. He's ashamed of what he's done. There is a reverential, respectful fear of dad. Now, that pales in comparison of what we have for God in heaven because he is the all-powerful creator of the world. And when we are in his presence, we are going to see that power. We are going to see that glory. Folks, there's not going to need to be a sun, a star in heaven. Folks, there's going to be a light from God himself. And we're never going to stand in front of Him again with our chest stuck out. We are going to fall to our faces in front of Him. And we're probably going to be crying just as the cherubims do. Holy, holy, holy. Because He is a three times holy God. So folks, they experienced this. And a couple of things that we need to learn out of this first point that Peter learned is that God's glory to us, we ought to see that as something grand. Something as, as powerful. Something that Well, to be honest, it's something that you and I will never be able to understand. You and I will never fully understand what it means to have the glory of God upon our hearts and upon our lives. We've never seen it. But one day when we're in heaven, we will see that. We're going to understand that. And so then we also need to understand the importance of Jesus Christ. We need to understand Him being the Son of God and being God Himself. Folks, both of those things are very important to us. So let's go ahead and look at number two. First, Peter learned of the deity of Jesus. Now, let's continue. Let's go ahead and start reading here in verse number four. Then I'm sorry, go back up to verse number two. "And And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said unto the Lord, it is good for us to be here. Then he talks about those tabernacles. Now, think of this. And here's a couple things I thought that was really neat. When Moses and Elisha showed up, how did Peter know that it was Elisha and Moses? That's one I kind of looked at and I kind of scratched my head because he immediately just said, hey, look, it's Elisha and it's Moses and it's Jesus. Why don't we build all three of them tabernacles? They didn't have photographs. Right? I mean it wasn't that he could pull out his phone, scroll through, and say, oh yeah, look, there's there's Moses. I've seen him before. How did they know? And and furthermore, here these were, they were men. They had experienced death. Folks, Moses is dead and he's buried. God buried him. We don't know where it was. We know it was up in a specific mountain. But nobody ever went to his graveside. So how did they know? Well, folks, there's two important things I want you to see about this. Number two, first, Moses learned about Jesus, how he was the Son of God, and there was the glory of God. But then secondly, Peter learned that there is life after death. Peter learned that there is life after death. There's some that would have us to believe that once we die, we just kind of go in the ground, and, well, that's where we are until, well, just until. We really don't know. Some people would say that once you die, that's it. There is no afterlife. When you die, that's all there is. You turn back into dust and then you're done. Some would say that once you die, if you were to to get put in hell, you're going to be burned up and poof and that's it. You're never going to be there anymore. Folks, that's for a different time, but that is a thought. Others believe that once you get put in the ground, your soul just sort of goes to sleep. And you're just kind of going to be there until the Lord comes and gets you. Well, folks, here in this passage, we see some of those things can't be true. If this soul, if these men, these Moses and Elisha, if they were just asleep, then how in the world did they show up and start talking to Jesus? See, they came down to for one of the reasons I believe, to prove to Peter that there is life after death. You're going to see these men. Peter, one day you're going to be there with him. And then it's amazing. The Bible doesn't specifically say this, but I've got a sneaky suspicion that when we get to heaven we're going to have a pretty good knowledge of who everyone is. You know, I mean, because Peter, he just looked at these guys, and he said, yeah, look, there's Moses, and over there's Elisha. I know those guys. So I wonder if when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be able to say, hey, look, man, over there's Adam. Oh, man, uh, over there's Joshua. Hey, Joshua, tell me about that time you guys got to knock down the walls of Jericho. Man, David, why don't you tell me about how big Goliath was? Was he really as mean and nasty as everyone says? think about the opportunities we'll get to have. And I part of me believes we'll just have this immediate, perfect knowledge of the things that God would want us to know. But the lesson that we can dogmatically say right here is because we know these two men showed up, I can promise you, based off of my Bible, there is going to be a life after death. One day I am going to stand before God. One day we are all going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of the things here in this life. That doesn't mean that He's going to weigh out the goods and bads and see who gets to go to heaven. But it does mean that I'm going to be held accountable. Folks, we can never think that there is no life after death. He learned that there is a life to come. And then number three, we're going to talk about this one here. Peter is confirmed about God's plan. He's confirming about God's plan. Let's take a look again at verse number 9. As they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must come first? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come first and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, And they knew Him not, but have done unto Him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer them. Then the disciples understood that He spake unto them of John the Baptist. Well, here's what was going on. Folks, in the Old Testament, and it's actually really neat. That means Peter, James, and John, they knew their Bible. They knew what the Old Testament said. There's an Old Testament Scripture that says a prophet must show up and he must bear witness of all these things before Jesus were to come and to die. And they were actually still kind of waiting on that. And then, so Peter, he looks at the Lord and says, Lord, how is it that you can go to the cross and die? If you remember a couple weeks ago, Peter looked at God and said, oh no, Jesus, you're not going to have to die on the cross. And that's when Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because Peter was kind of, in that moment, he was kind of thinking for himself. He didn't want Jesus to go to the cross and die. But that was part of God's plan. Peter, I wonder if he wasn't still in denial a little bit. I wonder if he wasn't still wanting to see if he couldn't turn the tide. So then God shows up and says, hey, you better listen to what Jesus is saying. So if he kind of tells Peter, listen to what Jesus says. So Jesus finally explains to Peter, Peter, Elias already did come. He already explained it to him. And they didn't want anything to do with it. And then Peter says, oh, he understands. He understood that the man that was prophesied was John the Baptist. And at this point, John the Baptist, he was there. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And then he got beheaded because they didn't like what he was preaching. And so then he understood, oh, that prophecy has come true. Oh, so Jesus, you are going to go to the cross. Oh, Lord, you are going to have to die. And that was something that was kind of hard for him to grasp. And it took God looking at Peter and that bright light shining saying, Peter, listen to what Jesus is saying. And as they come down from the mountain, he understood and it kind of hit home with him. And here's a kind of a third lesson I want us to take away. Is God's plan ever hard for you to kind of swallow? And here's what I mean. I don't think it was a comfortable thing for Peter to see that his friend was going to be hung on the cross. That he was going to be beaten. That he was going to be murdered. Peter wouldn't want that. If you were to tell me someone that I loved and I cared about was going to be murdered here in a couple of weeks, I would not be ecstatic about it. And you can probably take it to the bank. I would do my best to stop it. Because, I mean, I would want to take care of my friend. I think we all would. And so, when we hear something like that, that might be a part of God's plan that doesn't always mean we have to like it. It doesn't mean that it's always something that sits comfortable with us. I'll give you a case in point. There's something in the Bible that is very uncomfortable for me. And by the way, this should be uncomfortable to all of us. The Bible tells us that there are going to be those that accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. They receive their pardon, their sins are forgiven, and they get to be with the Lord when they die because they've trusted in God's gift. There are going to be also those that do not. They choose to reject it. They've heard the gospel and they said, nope, I'm going to go my own way. And the Bible says very specifically, those that don't believe are condemned already. That means they will face that judgment and they will go to a very real place called hell. And I want to tell you, I don't like that. That does not sit well with me. That, that's, not, that's not comfortable. I, I wish that is something that were not true. True. But folks, the Bible tells me very plain and very clear that there is sin in this world, and that sin must be paid for. And for those that do not accept Jesus Christ's gift, they'll have to pay for it themselves. See, in my salvation, Jesus paid for my debt. But there's going to be some that decide instead to pay for their own. And that's not comfortable. But ladies and gentlemen, God never expected us to be comfortable with His Word. He does expect us to believe it. He doesn't expect us to think everything is going to be wonderful and happy and rainbows in the Bible. But He does expect us to preach it and to teach it and to tell the truth. Folks, the truth isn't always something that makes me happy, is it? Sometimes the truth is inconvenient. By the way, the gospel itself is inconvenient. Do you remember hearing the first time that you were a sinner? Do you remember the first time that someone confronted you and said, "'Hey, you know, you've done wrong.'" It's not in our nature to say, yep, I did it. I done wrong. I deserve my punishment. You know, we don't like hearing that. It's uncomfortable to believe that. And ladies and gentlemen, what we need to do is in, in our life, when God asks us to do something, when he asks us to believe something, it's never our job to like it. It is our job to obey it. It is our job to preach it. It is our job to teach it and to stand by it. And I wonder, and I know we always like to talk in extremes because you know, extremes help us understand. But if it were ever come to a time here in this country where it were legal to preach this book, where we can't talk about the things of God, where we can't call sin what it is as sin, and we can't say that this is right based off of God's Word, and this is wrong, if it were ever to come to that, it might be uncomfortable for me to speak out saying the Bible is right and this is wrong. That the Bible says this is wrong. It's wrong for you to say that it's right. It might be uncomfortable for me to do that. But while in my flesh it might seem uncomfortable, I'm still supposed to stand by it. And folks, that's something that Peter had to understand. God the Father approved what Jesus was saying to Peter. You know, he had already heard it. So God said, Peter, listen to what Jesus is saying. He's my son. And then God, when he shone down and said, this is my beloved son he, in whom I am well pleased. He's saying, Peter, he's not just telling me what, telling you what's true and what's right. I'm actually approving what he's saying. This is what's going to happen. And that was a tough pill for him to swallow. So ladies and gentlemen, here was our three things that we learned tonight out of this passage. We saw, number one, that God himself was in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jesus was God. He had the glory of God. He shone with the glory of God. Elias and Moses didn't do that, but Jesus did because Jesus was God. And then we learn number two that, yes, there is a life after death. Some will try to tell you that there's not. But long after Moses had been dead, Moses showed up. He had a conversation with Jesus. Peter, James, and John saw Him standing there because he was still around. Just because this skin and bone gets put in the ground doesn't mean that life is over. It doesn't mean that I'm just kind of asleep here in the grave. What it does mean is that there is a life after death. And then we learn that number three, while Peter, he had a difficult time accepting Jesus' Word, God had to reveal it to him. And God might reveal a truth to you that it might be difficult to swallow, It might not be something we fully understand, but because it's in God's Word and because He has told it to us, we are expected to believe it and to stand by it and to stand on it. Do you stand on the truth of God's Word tonight? Even if it's not comfortable, even if it's not convenient, are you willing to live by it? Are you willing to stand on it? Folks, we're going to be judged one day based off of what we've done with God's Word. Everything else, just wood, hay, and stubble. This is where we're going to give an account. So we could, we'll have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. And I want you to think on this thought tonight. How far am I willing to go to obey God and to just take God at His word? Folks, maybe have you, have you ever had wonders or maybe doubts or thoughts about what it's going to be like once we're dead and gone? We know there's life after death, we know that Jesus was the Son of God. And I can promise you one day when we stand before the Lord, we're going to see His glory and we're going to fall on our faces before Him. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love You and we thank You for all it is that You do for us. We thank You for this passion of Scripture. Lord, I pray that You would speak to every heart and mind tonight and help us to stand on these truths that we've learned. Lord, we believe that You are indeed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And we thank You for Your sin, death that You paid off on the cross. We thank You for that gift. And Lord, we look forward to the day where we can stand before you. We look forward to the day where we can cast our crowns at your feet and where we can worship you in your presence. Folks, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, this is just your time to be able to do business with the Lord. Is there something tonight you need to commit to God? Is there maybe something in the Bible that you've had a hard time standing on just because, well, maybe it doesn't set well? I want to tell you there's many things in the scripture I don't always understand there's going to be things that when we get to heaven that he'll show us that we didn't understand but why don't we go ahead and commit to God that whatever it is that he shows us no matter how we feel about it that we would stand and we would believe God's word Oh, God in heaven, again, we love you. We thank you for all it is that you do for us, for how you love us and how you care for us. Lord, thank you for this time where we've been able to open God's Word and we've been able to learn something from it. I pray that you would speak to us. And Lord, as we get ready to leave now and to go our separate ways, may we honor you above all that we say and above all that we do. May we just simply trust you at your Word. Lord, we believe that you are true, that you are right, you're just, and you're holy. And, Lord, we look forward to that day where we can be with you. Now, bless us now as we get ready to go our separate ways and we go into the week ahead of us. Lord, I ask that you would help us just to follow you and and trust in you and all that we say and that we do. And, Lord, I pray that you would keep us safe, keep us from evil, and bring us back here together at the next time. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for coming out tonight. That's all we have. Uh, Just remember our, our changing schedule coming up around Father's Day. We know it's a little farther out. Uh, We've got our potluck that evening and a missionary visiting with us as well. But I look forward to those things. So, okay, love you guys, and we're dismissed.